Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Week in IndyCar listener Q&A episode. Brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Here we are, 6.23 p.m., Tuesday evening, June 28th, leaving on vacation tomorrow, y'all. My wife's birthday, big milestone birthday tomorrow. She is so deserving, not only of being celebrated, but just to have a nice long break. So we're going to do that. I'm not exactly sure how long we're going to be gone. It's going to be at least a week, maybe a little bit longer than that. So apologize in advance. We will not have a week in IndyCar show right after Mid-Ohio this weekend. Uh, But yeah, we'll get something going probably later next week. I'm not covering Mid-Ohio I don't know if I'm even going to catch any of mid-Ohio. We are really and truly trying to go away and have some quiet time, some us time, and just celebrate my queen. So I do appreciate all of y'all who are very polite. I think only one person uh, ignored my request to not post anything on social media regarding the loss of Chabrell's mom would still continue to ask uh, for folks just to keep that here between us if you do though want to wish her happy birthday uh please do so um she does lurk and she does check out what's happening on occasion that's honestly the easiest way for her to keep track of all the nonsense going on in my professional life so if you want to wish her a happy birthday that might be a nice little surprise for her but please keep the uh the rest of What's been going on lately off of social media? What do we have? Well, we got Mid-Ohio. We got the official move into the second half of the season coming up here. Oh, I cannot wait to find out what happened when I get back. And so why don't we do this? Obviously, we've already said thank you to all of our great show partners. I want to say a big thanks to y'all for the questions you send in every week. There hasn't been a lot going on in terms of on-track action for a couple weeks now, and yet, oh, we got a heck of a bunch of questions all put together by our pal, Jerry Robert Suduth. So, fun stuff. Fun, fun stuff. And I want to say, if you're looking for more fun, the Prude Listener Group, they are available for your enjoyment. If you want to join in, you want to take part in a group, that love themselves some motor racing, IndyCar mostly, but a little bit of sports cars too. Just a a great collection of people. Send an email, say, hey, let me in, want to join, see what this is all about. It's prudayrocks at gmail.com, P-R-U-E-D-A-Y-R-O-C-K-S at gmail.com. Send them a note, say, hey, would love to uh, take part. And no promises from there, (laughs) but I think you're going to, Find a great, great group of people, more than 100 plus, who love racing, very irreverent, also do some pretty cool things together. So uh, go ahead and join in if you want to add uh, yourself to a new family. So let's get a little bit of music bed going on here. I'm going to, yeah, I've done this in a little while, but I'm going to crack open a gift from the Prudet. Oh, oh, look at that. All over my shirt and fingers too that's not very good uh bourbon barrel aged five dots vanilla porter an indiana liquor group exclusive release uh this is going to be our show companion today 
And uh, let's see. Oh, that is an adult beverage. Uh, Daddy likey. Ooh, that's good. Yes. So uh, five dots, vanilla porter. Uh, big thumbs up to you. Thanks once again to the Prude for uh, the little care package with uh, a bunch of dark beers that continue to, uh, it seems like a bottomless pit that I can pull from. There's always something awesome in there. So thank you. Uh, but why don't we get into our first question? This is from Eric Franklin talking about the announcement that Lola is back. For those of you who are newish IndyCar fans, you might have no idea what Lola is, was, or why it's relevant. A little bit older through what? 2006. That was the final season where the Lola chassis was used in IndyCar competition. That being in champ car, not the uh, Indy racing league slash modern day IndyCar series. But Lola was the go-to chassis for a really long time. A huge part as well in terms of kicking off the customer car revolution along with March, another British chassis constructor in the beginning of the 1980s. So really, up until then, limited manufacturing capabilities, limited numbers of chassis being made uh, to supply an IndyCar field or just Indy 500 in general, the 33 there, plus really Lola and March, the beginning of the 1980s, that said, hey, we could do this on a much bigger scale. And all of a sudden it went from kind of boutique, smaller constructors. I mean, even some made quite a few cars, right? Eagle, All-American Racers in Southern California once supplied a whole bunch of the grid, but this was kind of the, the big ramping up production assembly line mindset for the first time in IndyCar. And Lola was a huge part of that, whether it was Indy 500 wins, lots of championships, just a fine company that went under in 2012. So there's just a little quick backstory for those who didn't know. Uh, so Eric says, the Lola article was interesting, but is it realistic to think that the IndyCar series would entertain more than one chassis supplier? No, it's not unless there was some sort of breakdown in business relations between IndyCar and Delara. But where I think there could be something interesting here, Eric, and I did learn of one powerful IndyCar team that after reading uh, Till Bechtelsheimer, who's purchased Lola, a uh, vintage racer, IMSA racer, a very successful business person, uh, after Till's interview that we did for Racer, where he did say, hey, we would love to take Lola back to Indy. Love to get Lola back to IndyCar if it were allowed. I know that one team has reached out and said, hey, let's talk. Is that about chassis design and creation? Is that about, hey, wind tunnel usage or, or other things? I don't know. But I can tell you that one major IndyCar team did reach out to Lola after learning about their interest. I would say the most realistic thing here, Eric, is junior formula. We have Delara handling Indy Lights, Tatus from Italy as well that is handling everything else on the road to Indy, basically. Could there be a scenario where Lola... I forgot to uh, mute my phone. Sorry for the ding. Could that be a situation where when it's time to replace a Tatus? Who knows? Even a Delara. 
Uh, could that be something where Lola might be someone to speak with? I'd hope so. That was once upon a time a huge part of Lola's business. I would say far bigger than uh, their IndyCar stuff or anything else. And that was looking after junior formulas for a really long time. Most of the Indy Lights cars that I worked on were all Lola's, spec Lola's. So the history in Indy Lights is very deep, but all the way down to like the very beginning of junior open wheel, Lola has been around forever. So I just think that might be the place, Eric, where Lola would fit in terms of getting in. Could anything change future-wise? You know, Delara is darn near family with IndyCar. So that, I would say that might be a, a big challenge, but just throwing things out, um, it's not uncommon for IndyCar or even some of the junior categories to have a need. And is that something that they can all, is that something they can all satisfy? Can they all produce everything that whichever series wants in an instant? Or would having a Lola, for example, or another constructor, service provider, etc., cetera, uh, step in to say, hey, you know, you need some of these quickly? Uh, maybe your main supplier is buried because usually, uh, to close on this, Eric, usually when you get a Delara, they're not just doing one thing. They're doing 10 things. They're stretched crazy thin a Tadis, a Liget, a whomever. Rarely do you get a purebred racing constructor that has lots of bandwidth. So if there's a quick need, uh, whether it's an emergency to produce something or a series has an idea on something they want to try in a few cars, maybe someone like Alola could be an option to step in and do that. Maybe that's how the relationship opens up. Uh, Zach Dean, you're continuing here on Lola. He said, hey, I heard Lola might be coming back to IndyCar. Potentially, I'm asked for the Indy 500. <sighs> he says, I know you have a racer article on this, but I don't know why I'm so excited about uh, that chassis's potential return. Can you help me understand the implications? I'm already drunk, y'all. I've had two or three sips of beer and I'm drunk. Implications. That's a good one. Uh, help me understand the implications of this if they somehow come to Indy. Uh, the the main thing that comes to mind here, Zach, is protecting one's territory. Would Delara say, sure, come on down, rival? Uh, granted, it's been a long time since they were rivals, but I would not imagine Delara would make any concessions to welcoming any rival at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, make that easy. Uh, not throw some weight around and really push IndyCar to say, hey, yeah, we're, uh, we're not going to do that. But the interest from someone like Till and Lola, that, that really does fascinate me. And I would say the, the overarching reason why, Zach, is motor racing is Delara's business. Giampaolo Delara started Delara. That is his primary business. All the income... Uh, that comes in, it's all about racing. For Till, it'd be great if Lola turns profits, and he wants it to, but this isn't his primary business. Um, investment banker, big funding guy, uh, this is a person who has made 
a lifetime, a hundred lifetimes worth of profit elsewhere. This is a passion play for him. And what I love about this is he's not just a wealthy guy who sold a business and said, Hey, I'll, I'll buy Lola and see what we could do. No, still active, still doing all the things that he does in business. He's only 40 years old. He's not, you know, not an old fart. Uh, so this is someone with great passion, wanting to restore Lola, wanting to bring it back to the places where it made its name, like Indianapolis, like Lamont. But this isn't someone who needs to do this in order to survive. Uh, the profits that might come from Lola, I guarantee you would get put right back into the business. Not going to change his life in any way. He could shut it down tomorrow. Not going to change his life. That's the thing I love, Zach. So when someone like Till says, hey, I would like to go back there, knowing the position that he's coming from, I'd really hope a Roger Penske, Jay Fry, Bud Denker, Mark Miles, Doug Bowles, all the folks there would sit and speak with him to find out what are the possibilities? What would you like to do? If we weren't, if we were to choose to not open up chassis competition and we're going to say single supplier going forward, it's the only thing I'm aware of as being a reality. What areas could Lola be involved? Truly, what can we do? How could we open up business a little bit, even if we don't necessarily give away uh, what you might want here and becoming an additional chassis supplier? I'd love to see chassis competition, but as I've written many times, said many times, it's just not the temperature in the paddock that anybody wants. So I just love Till's approach to this, Zach, and I think for anybody at IndyCar that might meet with him, they'd come away saying, huh, I don't know what we could do, but let's do something, because this guy's for real, and the reasons behind his motivations, uh, those are things that are, are pure. I love that about this scenario, Zach. So let's move on to something that isn't necessarily pure. Uh, and I do appreciate Jerry getting a couple of positive things up front here to open the show, that being on the Lola front. Before we get into the topic that had, I don't know, 9,417 questions come in, and that is uh, AJ Foyt Racing and rocket and what is going on there so jerry chose one question which really i think covers a lot of bases uh for all here and i'll fill in anything else that's needed we're gonna visit with this one for just a little bit i know that i've written about it uh waited to write about it uh but let's get into this because i know that we have some things answered but there's still some questions uh for sure so daniel summers gill our good pal here says, do you have any insight regarding the rumors of Rocket not fulfilling their sponsorship commitments with the Foyt team? Take another sip here. Noting that it's not the first time it's happened. Obviously, big lawsuit with Williams Formula One, 30-plus million dollar settlement uh, awarded to Williams in that lawsuit. Uh, say, uh, any anything you can share about the future of the 11 car, Tatiana Calderon drives, and would Andretti help keep the 14 car that Kyle Kirkwood drives on the grid if Rocket goes away. So in a quote from the team today, Larry Foyt said the thing that uh, has I've known to be true for a little while now, and that is with Rocket, 
without rocket the 14 car will finish the year uh it's that that's their primary car uh that's their equivalent of scott dixon's number nine chip ganassi car or joseph newgarden's number two like (laughs) that ain't going anywhere um does that mean rocket will be on the car okay let me wind the clock back just a little bit here give you a little bit of a timeline I genuinely don't remember whether it was the beginning of last week or the end of the previous week before that, but 10, 12, however many days ago, had heard, oh, there might be uh, another speed bump here we might be hitting in terms of rocket and payments. So that's the newest instance of that that I've heard. Uh, What took place you see, when would that have been? Probably May, I don't know, 13th, uh, Indie GP weekend. Caught up with Larry Foyt and said, hey, brother, have heard Rocket is seriously behind on paying their bills. Hearing that that is trickling down and affecting uh, some team members and whatnot, like, you know, this is... This stuff has happened a thousand times in IndyCar over the years. It's never a great thing to hear, obviously, but it's never a total shock. It happens every year with at least one team. Sponsor, late on payments. I'm not talking a day or two. I'm talking uh, we're, we've flipped over the calendar to a new page and uh, a new month, and we're still waiting. So I'm not saying that's what it was with the, the Foyt team and Rocket, but I can tell you that coming into uh, the Indy GP and Indy 500, had heard that, yeah, some not good stuff was going on there. Caught up with Larry and said, hey, hate this stuff, but I got to ask. And he said, can you give me a day? I uh, said, still having some talks here. Don't really want to, you know, just give me a little bit of time. Of course, man. Seriously, you know, I never want to write these stories. These these stories are never great. Uh, I'm raised. You can't see it, but I'm raising my hand right now, as a former IndyCar and before that junior open wheel crew member, who not on many occasions, but on a few occasions for sure, uh, expecting to get paid and didn't, and that lingered for a while and had to get pretty damn uppity in order to fix that it happened to me as well when i ran my own racing team uh oh yes some drivers not paying (laughs) not paying what they said they were going to pay uh having to go and borrow money from a friend to pay rent uh december uh to not get kicked out over the holidays my wife and i uh, because drivers said, yep, you bet, agree to that amount, everything's fine, and showed up and didn't pay. Um, had that happen twice. Uh, those are stories for another day. But whether it is a sponsor not coming through with the money or drivers not coming through with the money, which, again, is kind of the same thing, the money needed to operate the team, been there, sensitive to it, never want to write those stories I don't have to. Larry said was this, hey, uh, the rumors you're hearing might not be inaccurate, but we're 
really close to maybe resolving something. So can you give me a day? Absolutely. Gave him a day, met back up. He said, we're good. Got things resolved. Everything's moving forward. Fantastic. Wrote a little blurb in one of my whatever things uh, from Indy about, hey, been rumors going around about Rocket, money not getting paid. Uh, everything's good. Everything's going forward. What was attached to that, Daniel, was what I'd heard beyond the money not coming in and some folks who do the work on the cars not getting their money was a deadline of if it's not here by this date, uh, where the 11 cars going away. And if it's not here by a date soon after that, the 14 car is going away. Was the 14 ever going away? I don't know, but I can just say from a, a piece of leverage, that is certainly a play that I would make. I may have done similar things in the past, having to try and get sponsors to pony up. So that's may get through road America. Everything's working. Everything's fine. Dalton Kellett, by the way, the, the third member of the Foyt team, they're all good. Pay on time. They are rock solid. Honestly, great, fantastic. Love them, what they do. That's something that the Foyt team can count on. So that part's good. But coming out of road America might've been end of that week. Uh, after beginning of the next start hearing that oh sounds like we're back in the same cycle and the 11 car is what is once again at risk of not being run because that is not only just Foyt's non-primary car the 14 is the legendary one that's AJ's car number that's quote AJ's car that's been around for a thousand years the 11 that's being run at the leisure and at the request of Rocket. Last-minute deal, all the things that you probably know about, but that's really the car to say, hey, if you're not ponying up, this pony's going away. I'd heard that. And so that was end of the week, beginning of last week, and so kept hearing it, kept hearing it, heard a decision might be coming end of the week on whether the 11 car goes forward rang larry foyt on thursday just say hey brother uh hearing the same thing gotta ask the same question and just as he did in may said hey actively working on it can you give me a day give me just give me a little bit of time there's nothing decided nothing to there's nothing here to write about because there is truly no decision I think Friday maybe is when a tweet went out saying 11 cars going away, rocket, money, yada, yada, yada. And that then led to an avalanche of questions. Um, myself and I'm sure others have gotten. I, I truly have lost track of the amount of people who, whether through here in the show, uh, Twitter, DMs, you name it, wanting to know is this rumor accurate or inaccurate. And, uh, I politely decline to answer that stuff because I don't do reporting on Twitter or direct messages. Um, if others choose to, pardon my French, shit out whatever they hear just so they can get it on social media and whatever, we work from very different, very, very different value systems. So 
knowing what was in motion and that nothing had been decided, of course, wrote nothing about it, said nothing about it because there was nothing definitive to say. Uh, caught up with Larry Foyt on Monday via text, and Larry was willing to say, yes, uh, we will indeed have all three cars at Mid-Ohio. Rumor? Wrong. Now, the other things that we know is that could the 11 car come off the grid after Mid-Ohio? All subject to payments being made. So the same issue, Daniel, that been there since the beginning of May and kind of got resolved and not taking the 11 car off the grid. We're going to go into June, crops up middle of June, and yet again, we're kind of back in this cycle. Just to close here quickly, uh, I'll wind the clock back to last year when our friend, the, uh, the French fry himself, Mr. Bourdais, was driving the 14 car sponsored by Rocket. And can say that questions over timely payments not new in 2022 hey that rhymes what do you know um this is by no means a new issue uh this is not an issue that started in indycar as you mentioned daniel this is something that kicked off in formula one and led to a big ugly lawsuit um i'm aware of someone in the indycar paddock uh a very good person in the IndyCar paddock who having learned of the issues that cropped up here in May and uh, May, I should say just limited to May, um, stepped in to try and help get this stuff resolved and get Rocket to pull some levers within the company to get that obligation taken care of. So I don't know the people at Rocket. I have nothing, no vested interest in them. I couldn't tell you what they do, what they make, what they don't. Again, I, I have no clue. I do know, though, that for the better part of a year now, I've been hearing about paying money to a racing team to represent the brand. It's been problematic. The thing that I hate here most of all, absolutely hate it, I said this to Larry in May. Y'all are trying to do something good here. You really, truly are. You're trying to grow the team, make it better. You're trying to hold yourselves to higher level of standards. You've got a great young driver in Kirkwood. you got a lot of potential here. Some years where I don't know if I could accuse them of, of aiming as high as they should. The results showed it. They truly are doing everything they can within their means, limited means, to grow, get better, move farther forward in the, uh, in the paddock and become a strong team again. It pains me to see that despite trying to do all of this, there is one constant chain around their neck holding them back. So... Do I foresee a long-term relationship with Rocket? I don't know. Uh, that's fully dependent on Rocket. Spending money. How does a team try and get better when you don't know if your bank account's going to be full or empty, seemingly from month to month? 
realize times are hard. I realize a lot of things, but we aren't hearing about name whatever your favorite team is outside of the two cars sponsored by this one company. And hey, are we going to get paid or not? Or what's going on? This is just, it's frustrating to see because this team is indeed capable of being better. But achieving and really truly making gains amid frequent uncertainty, yeah, that's just not something that you find a history of in motor racing very often where that team perseveres and achieves big things while kind of living hand to mouth. So will we see the 11 car in Tatiana after mid-Ohio? Strictly dependent upon, dependent upon whether sponsorship money is caught up. Uh, the thing I've heard and heard many times and believed to be true is whatever the amount of money that's been owed, basically a half payment's been made. That's a thing I've heard repeatedly. Heard that in May, heard that again this month too. If things get caught up, I think there's a possibility. Will I be shocked though? And should you all be surprised if Tatiana Calderon's season comes to an end or at least a short-term end after mid-Ohio? No, and due to nothing to do with her. I mean, Rocket brought her here. That's the thing that I find crazy, y'all specifically that car is on the grid at their request with their driver, the driver they have supported. And I really like Tatiana and really think with another year and stability to work from, I think she can absolutely move forward on the grid. Just really frustrating to go, but wait a minute, you, you brought her here and you're not taking care of her frustrating just someone who's been in the paddock for a long time and you know considers himself a part of the community (laughs) for a long time that's the perspective i take it's the you've been here for a while you see how things work you see opportunities come and go here's a young woman who definitely has talent but a vast lack of experience so let's bring her here and give her a shot and then drop the ball halfway through i don't get it so what are we going to see with Kirkwood's car for sponsorship this weekend? Who's going to be on? I don't know. One little nugget that I did learn, some of you might have picked up on, at the recent IMS road course test, that 14 car ran with all black bodywork. Uh, the car, as I understand, was rewrapped, taking the rocket wrap off, wrapping it in plain black. I think there were rocket stickers on the wings. But if you just look at the side pod and the, the normal big rocket that's been there, that's gone. Why? It actually, from what I understand, makes a heck of a lot of sense. Not knowing if the company would step up, well, what do you want to have to do on Wednesday or Thursday of race week at Mid-Ohio? Peel everything off and rewrap it in the paddock? Or if you're uncertain if your sponsor is going to deliver, do it early. Wrap the thing in plain black. And if they come through and they're good, apply stickers on top of that bare black wrap. But if they don't, you've just given yourself a great clean canvas to put whatever it might be. Sexton Properties we've seen on the car. A couple of other uh, associate sponsors as well. 
if any of those step up or are placed in the primary position, or maybe it just goes blank. I don't know. But that, to me, from what I've heard, was a really smart play, just to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room. So, all right, James Malloy. Picking up on this, uh, but moving the conversation forward a little bit, you say, sad to see the uh, 11 close for the year yet again, and I, I will just urge this with being as polite as I can. Just because someone tweets something out doesn't mean it is a fact. Uh, so, yes, car is not done for the year. Uh, it will be racing this weekend. As I've written, I've heard that it could be out later in the year. Uh, not too far away, actually, provided the rocket money doesn't come through, provided Tatiana's not staying in it for the rest of the year. I've heard that Benjamin Peterson uh, could be in that car for at least one race. I think the team... We're just talking practicality. If you're now all of a sudden not too sure on the money side, uh, hey, who all can we get into that 11 car that's bringing sponsors, bringing a check, and helping us to cover off our uh, our needs for the 11 and the 14? The 14 is going to be there for the rest of the year, no question. How all it gets paid for, again, that's something they'll figure out. But uh would not say the 11 is going to be gone for the rest of the year, no matter what, because I don't think from a financial standpoint, uh, they would give up any money they might earn from running whomever in that car. So, but again, just an aside that a tweet instead of a full story, if we're just going off of a tweet, um, don't always take that to uh, to heart. Uh, he says, brings me back to a point Denny Hamlin made about sponsorship, saying the sport needs to move away from solely relying on sponsorship to keep things running. Says, well, that's obviously in a NASCAR context. What would it take for IndyCar or even the sport as a whole to move away from sponsorship, a sponsorship-reliant model, finding other ways to stay afloat and make money? Well, it's a great question, but it's also one that's really never had an answer since the costs started to go up and technology started to increase in the late 60s. Denny doesn't make a bad point, but if we think about the NBA, if we think about NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, whatever, you have independent franchise or team owners who have a building that they own, and they sell tickets to for those to come and watch and they have hospitality suites that they sell to make a lot of money on and they also take in varies obviously based on which stick and ball series but they take in a lot of money from television rights so stating the obvious here but if you think about how these things work and relate that back to motor racing i'll just stay with indycar roger penske promotes the detroit race and owns the indianapolis motor speedway in theory uh profit should be coming back his way through the companies that he owns which then own those two tracks and or the promotion uh, of detroit as well but if we think of hey we're going to mid ohio this weekend uh, Ed Carpenter doesn't own that. <laughs> All those ticket sales, those go to the track. 
The track then pays a sanction fee to the series. Whatever TV rights between NBC and IndyCar, which I've never heard anyone say is something that massively enriches IndyCar, that goes to IndyCar. It's the money that IndyCar brings in from uh, promote the, the promoter fees, the majority of the events, from a TV contract, from whatever else, are those things that they then use to put into, what, $25 million or so dollars worth uh, spread across the top 22 teams and leader circle contracts? Yes. So the business model here is one where, unlike name your favorite stick and ball team, own a big stadium, sell all kinds of things. Hey, there's 70,000 people at the in the grandstands at the whatever big football game and we're selling hot dogs and beer and parking costs 20 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever. Like we're just raking in the money off of human beings straight into the pockets of the people who own the facility where the sport takes place. Then they get a big ass cut from TV as well. And that's how we are able to, my God, I was looking at some of these things today and they were just making me, massively depressed uh what some of the headlines here uh talking about russell westbrook aka russell west brick opting into his contract with the los angeles lakers where he will be paid oh my living sweet jesus 40 plus million dollars next season like the guy was an absolute train wreck. $47.1 million he will earn to not be super excellent like he once was. That's not too far away from one person earning five zero fifty million million to play in 82 basketball games. Yeah, uh, that could almost cover off the entire annual budgets for the entire IndyCar series. One guy, (laughs) and he's third or fourth best on the team. Just saying. Um, So, yeah, I love Denny's, hey, we should change the business model. To what? We, we, collectively, IndyCar, we don't earn anything from TV money. Uh, We don't earn anything from ticket sales or hot dogs or whatever like those things don't go to the teams so then how do those teams pay for and again i apologize they get a little over a million dollars a piece in that leader circle contract an indycar budget averaged for a very competitive team um call it six million definitely could be seven to eight get away with five-ish uh, maybe even a tiny bit less if you really wanted. But again, uh, the less you're spending on average, the less competitive you are. But okay, so from TV and promoter money that IndyCar gets, that gets distributed equally. Call it a million dollars per entry across the top 22 entries. You still got five to find per car. What if you are a four-car team? Hey, thank you for the $4 million. Seriously, the $4 million that we're getting collectively across those cars, that is phenomenal. But 
Um, there's still 20 we need to find each year to keep this party rolling. Where the hell does that come from if we're not using advertising dollars that's what sponsorship is if it's not advertising dollars put our brand on your car we will promote our brand and hopefully sell more than we earn more from what we sell than what we pay you to promote or business to business deals those are super popular and have been for a while okay cool we're gonna rep this brand but eh, that's maybe not doing so much it's the behind the scenes deal hey we just negotiated a $30 million contract from this sponsor to that sponsor, that B2B deal is something that we're taking, whatever the percentage might be. Hey, there's 3 million from that. And we did another one and another here. And Hey, now we got our budget for that car. Great. But in the absence of big TV money, big ticket sales money, big everything else sale money, how else do you fund a racing series? How do you fund a racing team? Um, I hear you. It always leaves you prone to, well, if a sponsor backs out, a sponsor doesn't pay, you're always potentially in jeopardy if those things happen. But that's where the the bigger teams, the, the sturdier teams, come up with deals that hopefully keep them from potentially being uh, kicked in the butt when things go a bit sideways. So... Yeah, I, again, thought about this many times myself, James. I just don't know where you come up with five of the six million you need each year if you don't have a driver paying for it, a sponsor paying for it, or business-to-business deals covering off that amount. Uh, JJ Gertler says, Marshall, I know we check in on this from time to time, but it seems particularly relevant given the weekend's news. What if any status is there? on work to get Robert Wickens back in an open-wheel car. Uh, I've heard nothing, unfortunately. And whenever I speak to Robert about it, I feel a little bit bad because I know that it's a sore subject. Uh, For those who haven't heard this discussion, have said before that when Robert was... When the team Robert is with, the Air McLaren SP team, was powered by Honda, Honda had a definite plan in place to come up with hand controls, develop something uh, with the eye to getting Robert back in an IndyCar. Um, I have not heard of any real effort since by anyone to step in and take that on. And I know it frustrates Robert, frustrates me. I wish someone would. I've heard 500 plus thousand maybe 600 is is the number that's thought to be needed to do that development make that happen sure would love to see it happen and as happy as i am to see robert winning in the michelin pilot challenge series truly it's amazing watch the race fell off the couch enjoy when he when mark wilkins crossed the finish line his teammate in the brian herda autosport hyundai Fantastic for him. Long journey getting back to victory lane. Made all of us happy. I'm just stating obvious things. There's also a little bit of sadness of, (sighs) this is amazing. Robbie won or and will continue to win on Saturdays. Not the big day, Sunday, when the big race takes place in IMSA or IndyCar. 
um, Robbie being in a, the second tier series, that makes me a bit sad because he has the talent without a doubt to be in the top tier, whether it's IMSA's WeatherTech Championship or IndyCar. I'll take another sip here. Ken uh, at Abuelos de Treche. So speaking of sneaky, someone is slowly moving up in the IndyCar standings. Your thoughts on Connor Daly's progression? Well, I done wrote about that uh, just a week or two ago about how, yeah, I realized that Renus VK's season coming, what, from the Indy 500 on, it's been a little bit rough. Granted, what, we've only had two, three races, but he's take a couple hits. Things haven't been everything he'd hoped for. Connor, on the other hand, has been striving forward, uh, been doing a lot of really good work, and I just love that consistency. So that's the thing that we haven't seen from Connor and his side of the Ed Carpenter racing team. Another thing that is worth mentioning, which makes me happy here, Ken, we've seen Connor run deep into the top 10, do super well here lately, all those things really super awesome even when the team has not been particularly competitive. Road America being a prime example. All three of the cars out to lunch all weekend. Instead of that being what we've seen in the past, Renus being the first car home and well ahead of Connor, they're kind of in lockstep right now. And whether it's Connor finishing in front of Renus by one or two positions or whatever, or Renus being right ahead of Connor really does seem like they have, there's an equilibrium that's been found. And that's the thing that makes me happiest for Connor. We all know how talented Renus is. A race winner, uh, pole winner, right? We considered him to be a, a great young talent. Connor's not that old. He's what, 30? But he's been around long enough and has rarely been in truly competitive situations for any length of time just think ken there's been a loss of if not appreciation for connor's talent just a yeah he's here cool and that's good but you know a little bit part of the uh you know wallpaper furniture you know always around he's here and you know not a lot to report about but uh, he's here and does okay i think that's happened for long enough to where folks are maybe now some who need it Within the paddock, maybe even some fans are realizing like, oh, well, yeah, the, the VK kid is considered to be a pretty darn good benchmark, and he's no longer getting away from Connor. Now, is that all on Connor? Have things taken a bit of a step back for Renus? It's always really hard to parse out exactly where the, the balance is tipping. Can't argue, though, that Connor has been running super strong and impressive here and the two of them are very matchy matchy in terms of results and that i think can only uh have folks looking at connor with a bit of appreciation for what he's doing right now so biggest hope ken is that this holds through the rest of the year and he stays in that strong place and continues to build from it uh vincent 1701 says you may be going to mid ohio what are the best photography shooting locations well i feel like i've 
answer this last year before mid Ohio Vincent and maybe the year before that. So number of places that are amazing to shoot. Uh, since you're not sure if you're going to go, I'm probably not going to spend too much time on this because, uh, let me just do a little wiki mid dash Ohio so I can get the corner numbers correct. Uh, I'll rattle through this ASAP Vincent. Um, you will have a wonderful time. If you wander over to the top of the hill, turn five cars coming down that long straight there out of the keyhole, hang that right into turn four. It's a place where a lot of crashes happen at the start of the event and on restarts, but coming up that hill at turn five, there's good stuff to get there. Walk down the hill. You can do some really nice pans through the S's. And if you keep walking on the inside of the track, driver's right down towards turn eight and turn nine, there's some really, really good stuff to get in there. Uh, you can shoot the cars coming at you uh, into the carousel into turn 12. And again, I'm talking all, all of this is from fan areas. You might have a photographer blocking the hole in the fence that you would want to shoot through standing back 15 or 20 feet from where they are. But depending on, uh, depending on what you got, there's some good stuff you can shoot there and then walk around and see what you can find. Uh, but it's a place where <laughs> you can shoot just about everywhere and vast majority of it's going to be awesome. So it's not so much a, uh, uh, if there's anything I would say, you're going to struggle to take a bad photo or struggle to find an area that isn't something that leaves you really pleased with your photographic options. Uh, Jeffrey may MP hope you enjoyed the three week break. So I'm going to go to my first IndyCar race this weekend with my girlfriend. I'm super excited. I'm curious what your favorite thing about mid Ohio is says, uh, I got general admission for the weekend. So I plan to walk around and take it all in. Awesome plan there. Jeffrey bring some sort of folding chair. Because you will want on that trek to just stop. I mean, getting up and standing up and leaning on the fence, that's always cool. But there are some really nice vantage points where if you walk back a little bit up a hill or wherever it might be, um, sometimes it's just really nice to sit down and uh, view it all in kind of wide perspective. I feel like I mentioned this a couple times this week, uh, which is I'm happy to keep mentioning it. The racing's usually great, yada, yada, yada. thing I love is going out, using the outside of the track, uh, that would be driver's left um, that I was just mentioning for Vincent. Uh, driver's left through the S's and whatnot. Uh, even driver's left coming out of the keyhole down to turn three and such. Uh, but really, more on the outside of like, Driver's left, turn six, seven, eight. Lots of camping. And if you come up to kind of driver's left, turn 11 down to turn 12, that whole road there, lots and lots of camping. Uh, and there are some really, truly awesome, fun, fantastic people. Uh, if you are a fan of driver A, B, or C, you're going to see folks wearing shirts, whatever, your Rossies, your New Gardens, your Hurtas, your whomevers. Those are your people. Go see them. Introduce yourself. Um, if you got stuff, bring it with you to give out, right? I don't, again, I don't know what it is. You got some stickers. You got some little 
hero cards that you've collected or whatever. If you've got little things, you might bring and give back, right? I say that because you're a Team Penske fan, you've got on a Team Penske shirt, whatever. Uh, you're going to see someone with a Team Penske banner or Andretti or whomever. Those are your people. Go meet them. Those are friends that you didn't know you had. Go introduce yourself to them. Uh, you and your girlfriend, and if you got even more friends. It's one of the best parts about Mid-Ohio, Road America as well, and there aren't too many other tracks that fall into this category. There really aren't. Where? It's motor coaches, it's little tents that get put up, whatever, little barbecues and drink coolers and whatnot. If you love racing, like we're so fortunate to have here with the Prue Day, right, that all they family that comes together and, and do see each other at the track and do things, and that's amazing, but so much of the Prue Day interaction is all done online through Discord or whatever it might be. This is one of the rare events during the year on the IndyCar calendar here, Jeff, where oh, go and meet your people. Make new friends. You should leave the track with 20 new friends who love IndyCar, and maybe you're, again, an Andretti person, Ganassi person, whatever, and maybe they're the polar opposite. Go say hi. Don't just say hi to the ones wearing the same shirt or repping the same team. Go have some fun. Make some fun of them. They'll give it back. You're going to be offered beers. You're going to be offered food. That's why I'm saying it might be fun to bring, if you have some things to bring, just bring in, hey, so it's a, not just a one-way thing, but a two-way thing. Um, buttons, if you got them. I don't know. But that's the thing that I really love most about Mid-Ohio. It's so unique. Half the folks there are crazy. More than half are drunk. And it just makes for fun. And so you walk around, you see what people are doing, see the setups that they have. Some folks put up some wild and funny stuff. Just go and enjoy. Uh, it, provided you are not an introvert and the two of you are not introverts, I think you're going to leave Mid-Ohio saying, wow, that was more like a family barbecue cookout and, and family gathering. Uh, than anything I have been to at a motor race before. Uh, Andrew Miller says, hey, you submitted this uh, to the Weekend Sports Car Show as well. This is a timely question you've sent because I just spoke with a man today. It's how likely is an IndyCar Le Mans schedule conflict in 23, uh, 2023? Will Roger Penske insist an open weekend or will it be open NBC broadcast window? Would that be too much to pass up to try and fill something in over Le Mans weekend? Um, says if we could just get Le Mans in the U.S. Open Golf Tournament to fall on the same weekend, it would be an eternally, quote, closed for IndyCar weekend from an NBC point of view. Um, spoke with Roger a little while ago. I had about 12 questions. I, he and I do a deeper catch-up about once every month, every six weeks, and so I just keep a running tab of questions uh, for him. Uh, for Zach Brown, who I catch up with, again, if I don't see him in person, but we'll, we'll do that by phone and do a deep dive or chip or name whomever. I just keep a running tab and at stack questions in uh, as they come to me. So we got through a lot of them, not all of them, but this was one of them. Hey, when we get to June next year, the middle of June, traditionally, 
Le Mans weekend, race weekend. Uh, we sure are going to have a bunch of you going over to Le Mans, right? You're running Roger, Porsche, Penske Motorsports team. So you're going to have a nice number of Porsche factory prototypes to run. Chip, going to have a couple of Cadillac prototypes to run. Uh, will Mike Shank be there? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, RLL will be there. Well, I take that back. I don't believe RLL is going to be there with their BMW prototypes, but we're going to have a decent number of IndyCar teams, big IndyCar teams with things to do at Le Mans. Would you intentionally try and keep the calendar a little bit clear as we get towards Le Mans, knowing that you <laughs> got something big to do there? To which he said, and to my surprise, nope. Um, Said he will do whatever he needs to make sure that everybody can get over for the Lamont test day, uh, whatever, the week before the race. But no, said they are absolutely not, no plan scheduling-wise to clear a window to make sure that Lamont is protected and there's no IndyCar content happening anywhere near. So uh, we will see what happens. Uh, and he didn't necessarily say what was going to be happening the weekend before. Um, would that be Detroit downtown? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, bottom line here to my surprise, RP said, no, we're not going to monkey with the IndyCar calendar, uh, just to try and free up extra space leading up to Le Mans. So there you go. Uh, Austin Sutton reading your name and I'm looking here and seeing how far we have to go to the red line of death. Um, Let's see, you're asking, do teams have to use a race engine when they go testing, or do they have a backup engine for testing? Uh, no, there is no, quote, testing engine that teams use throughout the season. They use whatever motor that they have in the car coming out of the previous event, and in theory, going into the next event, uh, unless it's due for a changeout based on reaching a mileage limit decided by uh, Chevy or Honda. So for example, ah, man, that's a good beer. Benjamin Peterson, who tested in Callum Eilat's number 77, Hunko's hauling a racing Chevy on Monday at Sebring. Uh, that motor should be used, uh, this weekend by Callum in mid Ohio. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, but yeah, I'm totally unaware of there being, uh, quote, testing motors to use see john keller mp can you explain why indycar doesn't stop the timing for the qualifying session when they red flag it these sessions are short enough to begin with uh and it's always a bummer to not get a more complete session um i believe they guarantee a minimum amount of track time and other than that I think they say, hey, if reds are being caused, and that takes away from the extra play time. I feel like I'm missing something in the question here, John, and I will also say that, boy, my brain is halfway out the door, so I don't know if I gave you a very good answer to that one. Feel free to send it in for the next episode, assuming that I just got it totally wrong and my brain's not processing the way that it should. Don Gregory, I appreciate you and your persistence. Uh... You have sent this in a couple times, didn't make it, but Jerry decided today's the day. You take another sip here. 
was pondering this question over the weekend. With the world of professional golf being turned upside down with the creation of the rival LIV Golf Tour, backed by untold billions of money from Saudi Arabia, why haven't teams who are always looking for sponsorship dollars contacted the Saudis? So it seems like there would be maybe a few teams that may at least consider it, uh, despite where the money source is coming from now that the economy is struggling and there's not an abundance of sponsorship dollars available. As always, my very best to you and your wife and the cats. Thank you, Don. Who knows if teams have failed to reach out to um, the Saudis. I, we don't know if they have or haven't. I am aware, uh, I believe there's going to be a pretty big financial announcement, financial thing coming here soon. Uh, from a Formula One team that also plays an IndyCar that could be linked to um, Saudi Arabia. But we'll have to see if that happens. I mean, I'm, I'm just having to be honest here. A big major golf tour, that is something that a whole heck of a bunch of people will want to watch because the numbers are known and proven that golf is highly popular. A regional motor racing series? I don't know what amount of money Saudis might spend on an IndyCar team that would lead them to believe it's going to change anything for them. Tourism? Uh, you know, again, I, I there's a prestige factor to starting a rival golf tour with untold zillions of dollars behind it. Uh, I don't see the alignment here with IndyCar, for example, that would lead a government halfway around the world to say, oh yeah, we're going to put money behind, name whatever team, and that's going to do anything for us. Image-wise, tourism-wise, anything-wise. Um, I just can't find the reason why they would uh, find any appeal in that, Don. So that's probably the reason why, assuming at least someone has reached out and said, hey, would you give us money? That they probably said no. Uh, why don't we go to Greg Secor? Greg says, do you think the next IndyCar chassis will incorporate any of the ground effects, air concepts used, the brand new F1 models? Uh, you say, am I correct in thinking their rear wing has, to some degree, the intent of minimizing wake behind the car? You say, as always, thank you for all you do. Uh, that's, that's really sweet of you uh, and says, uh, have a most excellent time away with your wife. I absolutely will. Greg, I don't know if I see much in the way of drag reduction or, or wake reduction in the new F1 rear wing design. Obviously it has a drag reduction system built into it, but the design itself, I don't know if I see anything that leads me to believe it's like super clean. Um, and treating the air coming off of it is, is being super clean. But the general, here's the general premise. F1 has said, hi, we realize that bumpy, ugly, draggy, disturbed wake coming off of the cars makes passing harder. So we're going to design the new cars to be less reliant on topside wings, that being front wings, rear wing, uh, rear wings, by wings, I mean elements, 
There's not multiple wings mounted on the back of the car. There's multiple wing elements with a single uh, wing array. Um, we're going to shift the balance of downforce from what we used to have, which is a zillion wings, indoor big wings, front and rear, and those make a lot of downforce. And the underside of the car makes downforce, but it's not the primary contributor to the overall downforce. So we're going to invert that take away from the front, take away from the rear, and really go hardcore on the underside of the car, making the uh, the majority of the downforce. That's awesome that F1's done that. That's exactly what IndyCar did <laughs> when they went to the Universal Aero Kit. Um, it's it, 100% taking from IndyCar's playbook. So just as a little sidebar here, great to see F1's done it. New formula, so the cars not only look new, but clearly there's differences about them than folks have been accustomed to seeing, but just overstating the obvious, this is exactly what IndyCar did back in 2018. Look into the future. Do I think IndyCar could go farther? Yes. That's the part where I would expect the underwings to be more wingy for more downforce to be generated from beneath the cars maybe not as far as f1 has gone but yeah i do think that there will be a greater reliance on that and therefore helping to uh, reduce the reliance on topside wings and also reduce the amount of drag that they do produce uh let's see last couple of questions here uh vincent you ask why do delars flip brother that's just yeah um delars don't flip uh situations cause cars to flip um yeah not I, I appreciate you for sending in the question want to know the answer the question's just really far off brother um mitsuki matsuri you're asking about which teams are at risk of losing leader circle contracts once we start to get a little bit past the halfway point that's where i figured i was going to look into that i haven't honestly taken a look my friend to see uh, where we're at with that right now, but uh, send this back in in a couple weeks, and uh, we'll cover it for sure. Uh, Ed Roberts, uh, you are a penultimate question asker. With Elio looking at a Daytona 500 ride, it got me to thinking: what IndyCar drivers might do one-off races and more unique motorsports events? You say, uh, could that be Graham's father-in-law running Graham in a dragster? Will Power driving a monster truck, Connor running school buses on a figure eight, or Joseph racing souped-up lawnmowers? <laughs> I love that uh, the answer to all of this, at least for what should happen first, is Mario and Dre driving a McLaren Formula One car. Um, you know, I think, well, granted, I don't know how that would go, but I'd love to see Graham in the Daytona 500. I've been saying this forever. He is so special when it comes to race day performances that, granted, uh, it's a little bit tribal there in NASCAR. Do I think that any of the competitive drivers would just willfully allow him to go singing by without feeding him a wheel, you know, dumping him or whatever? Yeah, probably not. But um, i got to come up with a good answer for you here. You know what I would love to see? I would love to see Romain Grosjean do the BC 39. I want to see him in a midget or something short track dirt Romain Grosjean. 
go live your best life. I bet he would be phenomenal at it. So, uh, I, that's just me. I have no, there's, I didn't just tip my hand at something that's coming, but, um, I'd love to see him do something. I think that'd be amazing. Uh, why don't we close here? Had a couple of you ask about this in light of the news that Firestone will be returning as the sole tire provider for Indy Lights starting next year. Uh, JJ Gertler, you're back. You're closing the show. Is there any way in which the switch to Firestone in Lights might affect Cooper's interest in sponsoring the podcast? And if so, uh, whose puppy do we kidnap to make sure that doesn't happen? Um, <laughs> so I appreciate everyone's questions uh, and, and the concern that's been displayed. I haven't really responded to any of these questions on social media other than one person just who kindly asked kind of the same thing, just pointing out that, uh, yes, Cooper will no longer be the tire provider for any lights, but they will be for the other three tiers of the road to Indy. Uh, that being USF Juniors, brand new series this year, uh, USF 2000, and Indy Pro 2000. So uh, the change to Firestone should change nothing in terms of cooper's desire or interest in sponsoring anything attached to its motor racing activities on the road to indy so losing lights that is not something that would lead cooper i would have to imagine to saying well then we're going to get out of a bunch of other stuff because it's one series you keep in mind with the USF juniors being added and we went from three tiers of the road to indeed to four this year. So not having the top step, there's nothing that I know of, nothing that I've heard of to suggest that that is going to change Cooper tires strategy in sponsoring anything. Uh, if they decide at the end of the year that they no longer want to be part of the podcast, I will fully support them. It's always been a really easy deal with them. Truly love working with them. It's been a awesome ride. I have no information and no knowledge of that ride changing at all. Until I hear otherwise, I can only assume that we will continue working together for the our sixth year next year. And if they elect not to, I am going to continue to be the biggest lover and supporter of everything they do because they're just awesome. So uh, have heard no change, no plans for anything being different. If that does happen, we'll deal with it. Podcasts will keep rolling and be a new opportunity for someone else. But other than that, amazing friends and partners at the Justice Brothers, been with us for four years now um i'm told that they plan on being here for a good long time and also our friends at torontomotorsports.com so really truly do appreciate the any concern i have none if change happens then change happens but i am happy as can be and thankful to them and thankful to y'all and really thankful to five dots of vanilla porter which has powered our show this episode courtesy of the prude day so let me say one more time a big thanks to y'all be gone here for a week week and a half we'll see what we're going to do end of next week maybe with the show uh for mid ohio and who knows if there's some other news that might be coming down the pipeline uh, i may have already written some of it uh that'll get 
posted here while I'm gone, so it'll look like I'm working, but not really. Um, I think, I think I'm going to try and sneak in a guest episode. Technically, our vacation starts tomorrow. That's being maybe you're listening to this on Wednesday, so today. Uh, I think I'm going to try and sneak in a, a quick guest episode with Dalton Kellett. And other than that, uh, who knows, there might be another podcast or two that pops up that I will prepare in advance and just set to auto post while we're out. But other than that, thank you as always. I really do appreciate you. I love our little weekly get together here with your questions and Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com. Thanks for being awesome. I'll speak to you, hopefully rested and tanned and just smiling like a buffoon. <laughs>